Good evening. Today is Wednesday, May 4th, and we're studying the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter is the doctor's opinion, and our speaker tonight is Melissa B. Thanks, Melissa. Thanks, Erin. Uh, my name is Melissa B. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater, sugar addict, night eater, and binge eater. That's a lot. I identify with a lot, and I'm great, grateful to be here. Um, thank you for asking me to share tonight. Um, I still get surprised when I get asked to share because my self-talk hasn't changed yet and I still don't think I have much to say, but uh, my, um, the people that ask me do, and so I am trusting that I do. Um, I have been in program for uh, almost a year. It'll be a year next month, um, and uh, I am gratefully 156 days abstinent today. Um, and that is through the grace of this program um, and this group, especially. Um, you all have a special place in my heart because this is where I found my sponsor, right? And once I found my sponsor, my recovery took off. Um, so I wanted to qualify a little bit before um, I jump into the doctor's opinion, uh, which happens to be one of my favorite chapters. So I am doubly excited to speak on it. Um, so what it was like, you know, I have struggled with food for as long as I can remember. Um, once I came to the program, I realized that a lot of my early memories were, you know, of my disordered eating, right? Food carried a lot of comfort for me. Um, a lot of um, events and socializing was done around food, a lot of love shown through food, right? And so um, I grew up without a horrible childhood. You know, I grew up getting bullied for my weight. Um, and, you know, that was hard, right? And uh, I, I grew up with this sense of like, I knew that my eating wasn't normal but I didn't think it was bad enough to be considered an eating disorder. You know, I grew up with a friend who had anorexia and I was constantly like, it's not that bad. Right. Um, so I came into OA from another fellowship. Um, you know, once I got off substances, I um, found that my eating behaviors came back. You know, I would, I was very good at going throughout the day you know, eating pretty normally. And then eight o'clock would come around and I would binge and I would eat, you know, more than I had eaten all day, you know, and I would wake up in the middle of the night to eat. Um, you know, I can remember leaving social situations to go eat, you know, being embarrassed by, you know, the wanting and the craving and the, the insatiableness of it. Right. Um, and so when I came into a way I knew that I had a problem, right? Because I couldn't stop. You know, I I tried, you know, um, I, you know, like the like the baby says, right? I tried to put it down and I couldn't. And that scared me, right? It reminded me of what it was like using. Um, so I came here and I wasn't quite ready. Um, I was really excited that there was a fellowship that um, people were speaking my story, but I had a big resentment against the big book and that might work for all of you, but it's not gonna work for me, 
right? I don't need that. I'm not that bad. And as I stayed, as I, as I did a 90 and 90 and I followed the suggestions and I, you know, went to six different meetings, it was, you know, the big book followed me and I, you know, I started picking up tools and I started trying to connect with others through outreach. And, you know, it got to a point where I, I felt like whatever progress I had was, was tapered off. And at that point, that was when I, you know, started coming to CYOC regularly, found my sponsor and uh, decided to, you know, pick up the big book, you know, and I, and I really like that we're talking about the doctor's opinion because there's a line in there that says with some misgivings we consented. Right. And that's how I feel like my, my story was right. Like I had this big resentment against the big book, you know, um, because I, you know, I was, it was forced upon me when I was in rehab and, but I was like, you know, I, I, I can't do this the way I'm, I can't do this on my own. Right. And all of these people have all of this joy and this peace. Right. And it was that peace that really made me consent. Right. Because I, you know, I hadn't, hadn't got that piece with food. Right. And uh, I heard it recently said that, you know, no matter how much work I did in my other fellowship, I was still in the food, right? And uh, and I had to put, put it down to uh, to really make progress. So some misgivings, I consented. And, uh, you know, I'm really grateful to have a sponsor that worked with me quickly, um, that my That's life fine. circumstances w- were so, thanks, Lita, um, that I could do the steps quickly. And I did them in about 90 days um, and uh, started sponsoring, which is my... Uh, my favorite part of the program so far um, is caring, caring what, what message I have and uh, being a guide. <laughs> right. So um, I wanted to um, jump into the big book. Um, I made a bunch of notes because um, I'm still new at speaking. And um, like I said, like, this is my, this is truly one of my favorite chapters. Um, I, um, I read this with, um, you know, with my sponsees when I start off and every time um, I I hear something new and a lot of the time it's something that they point out, which I think is so special, right? Um, So the doctor's opinion and it starts out with we, right? And I, and my sponsor pointed that out to me and it really hit me, right? It starts with we, we can't do this alone, right? We can't do this isolated, you know, we can't do this without others, right? And and that was the first thing that I learned here, right? Was that we can't do it alone and that people are there, right? And if people aren't there, our higher power is there, right? Um, so, so that I, I like to point out because, you know, for me, every every facet of my program has gotten bigger when I include it with another person, right? Um, It was really hard for me to do outreach at first um, because, and I still do, I have this people pleasing sense, right? Like I can't, I don't want to pick up the phone when, when I'm not feeling well, or I don't want to pick up the phone when, you know, I'm not fine. Right. But I quickly learned that that's one of the most important times to, uh, to pick up the phone is when we're struggling. Right. And I quickly found that like including someone took a lot of power out of those voices in my head, right? And out of those cravings. Um, So yeah, it starts with we, 
Um, the other part in this first paragraph that meant a lot to me was um, that it talks about this doctor that specializes in alcoholic and, <clears throat> and drug addiction. And <clears throat> personally, sorry, one of my, one of my um, trigger foods is sugar. Um, so my abstinence is um, entire abstinence around sugar. Um, and I have a list of trigger foods that I can't eat as well. And I also have um, my food behaviors, um, the nighting, the binge eating and um, emotional eating. Because uh, that was a big thing, right? Um, I didn't want to feel, you know, um, I didn't want to. Yeah, I just didn't want to feel right. Like I grew up and, you know, in the time that it took me to get to 12 step fellowships, you know, I went through things, right? And the food was really good at keeping me from feeling them, right? Um, and so this alcoholic and drug addiction thing really hit me because I had this resentment, right? That the big book wouldn't work for drug addicts, you know, because that was that was my insane brain, right? And so this when my sponsor pointed out to me, it really hit, right? Like it says right at the beginning of the book, alcoholic and drug addiction, right? So um, yeah, really, really um, hit me. I'm gonna check my notes, make sure I'm on track here. Um, yes, okay. So the second last paragraph on XXV, um, I think it's so interesting that um, that this they talk about how um, part of his rehabilitation was to present his conceptions to other alcoholics, impressing upon them that they must do likewise with still others. Um, and to me, the fact that that's on the first page um, really indicates the significance of working with others, right? And I know I said before, like, I, I have that self-talk, right, where I feel like I don't have a message to carry. And, you know, sometimes, a lot of times, I have to go to the book and remind myself that, like, part of being recovered is carrying the message. And even if my message is, I feel like crap today, but I'm not in the food, that's a message, right? And that's something that I can share. Um, so yeah, I'm um, also in this paragraph, like appear to have recovered. Right. And like that definition of recovered, um, that I was, that I was told at the beginning and shown was, you know, found after being lost. Right. And I, and I feel like that says, says something about, you know, my journey in a way, because I, you know, it really felt like coming home. You know, it took me, it took me a while to find my place, but once I did and I, and I started participating and, you know, allowing all of you to be a part of my recovery and to be a part of yours, um, I really felt like I was found, you know? Um, all right. So next I want to, um, at the end of that first letter on the next page where it talks about, you may rely absolutely on anything they say about themselves. Um, you know, I wasn't reliable when I was in the food, you know, like I got clean, but I was still lying, right? I was still, you know, um, 
not like being honest to other people, but lying to myself. Right. And thinking that was honesty, you know, um, people pleasing, you know, I was constantly right. And, and just trying to be what you wanted so that I wouldn't be alone. Right. And so the idea that once these people have recovered, once these addicts have recovered, we can rely absolutely on anything they say about themselves um, gave me, gave me hope, right. That I could, that I could put the food down and I could become, you know, that functioning member of society that I've been trying to be. Right. And so then it starts talking about the, the allergy of the body and how the body is quite abnormal, um, quite as, quite as abnormal as his mind. And, you know, that was another part that gave me a lot of hope, right? Because I, you know, I understood physical addiction, right? But I still didn't understand why, you know, I could say I'm only going to eat one and, you know, I would eat the whole bag seemingly without being able to control my own limbs sometimes, right? I couldn't understand why I would, you know, get up in the middle of the night and eat on autopilot. And, and sometimes not even realize until I woke up with crumbs in my bed. And the, the allergy really explains that, right? And like allergy in this, and how I, how I understood it and how I really grasped it was that sense of the definition of allergy being an abnormal reaction, right? I have an allergy, I have an abnormal reaction to sugar, right? When I eat sugar, that abnormal reaction is that I want more and I crave more, and I obsess over more, and it's the only thing I care about, right? Um, and it talks about how any picture that leaves out the physical factor is incomplete. And that was my, that was my story, right? And not only about not being able to put it down, but, you know, before before I got a sponsor and picked up the big book, I tried, you know, putting, you know, I tried tracking my food. I started closing my kitchen, all these little, little things that weren't quite the steps, right? Like I, you know, would try to get as close as I could to the big book and do as much as I could without actually getting in the big book. And this was why, because I wasn't treating that physical allergy, right? I wasn't, I was continuing to put that substance in my body and my body was continuing to react abnormally, right? And it explains many things for which we cannot otherwise account, right? It explains that, that, uh, that inability to control. And so, um, yeah. Um, and then at the end of this, this page, they talk about the hospitalization period. Uh, and they talk about it a couple of times um, in this chapter. Um, and I, and I just want to make a note of it because like, again, like that was my story, right? Like I couldn't, my, my brain was defogged, right? From the food and I couldn't comprehend what the program was trying to teach me and really left. my higher power thinks, uh, Lita was trying to show me, right? Because it was my higher power leading me, um, when I had that substance and that sugar in, in my brain, um, so I only have five minutes left. This always goes so much quicker than I um, imagine it going. Um, so I just wanted to point out um, on XXIX, I think that's 28, um, how they talk about the cycle 
of addiction and the way that that uh, the mental twist works with the physical allergy, right? Where, you know, the mental twist eats at us and it eats at us and it, and it convinces us that, uh, you know, that we need that substance, right? That that sense of ease and comfort that anyone else can do, that anyone else can pick up this food. Anyone else can go and, you know, order off of DoorDash and everyone else can, you know, do these, these food behaviors. Why can't I, right? And, and for me, like that comes up so much, right? And if I don't have, I don't have a defense against that, then that's going to convince me to pick up the food that causes a physical allergy for me, right? And so for me, it's so important that I don't isolate and that I, you know, stick in the middle of the herd and I go to meetings and I pick up the phone and I ask other people how they are, you know, and I sponsor and I, you know, connect because they're the ones that are going to help me recognize my insane thinking, right? Um, and so um, the last thing I'll mention is the entire psychic change, right? And that's that's what saves us from the cycle of addiction. Um, and I think it's so beautiful how it's how it goes from, you know, our inability to control being, you know, being hopeless, being stuck in the cycle to, you know, after following a few simple rules, the 12 steps, we have this entire psychic change and we are easily able to control the desire. And I love that language because it's not easily able to stop eating, right? It's easily able to control the desire. Now that I'm recovered, if I don't feed into that mental twist and that physical allergy and I stay connected, I can easily control that desire. When that food thought comes up where, you know, just order or, you know, everyone else can, I can pick up the phone and I can, or I can say, I know that's a disease thought and I know that's my mental twist and that I don't actually want that. Um, so um, I didn't think I was going to take uh, all that time talking about the doctor's opinion. So just real quickly, I want to say thank you for letting me share um, and for, you know, my recovery. Um, the tools of this program um, really have, have given me um, a life beyond my wildest dreams and uh, I couldn't do this without any of you. Um, and uh, thank you again for, for letting me share. Thank you, Melissa B. You did an amazing job. Lots of love on that screen for you. Um, we will now open the meeting for questions for three minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions or star nine if you're on the phone and the Zoom host will call the raised hands in order and ask you to unmute when it's your turn. Lita, would you please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when time is up? If the speaker has asked a question, please allow three minutes for the answer. Take away, Subin. First, we have Elizabeth Speaks. Hi, Melissa. I'm Elizabeth. I'm a compulsive overeater. And thank you so much for your share and um, your honesty in that. You talked about some negative self-talk a couple times, and I was wondering what kind of prayers or strategies you have to kind of 
bring yourself some relief from that on a day-to-day basis so you don't get kind of sucked down by it. Thanks. Definitely. Yeah. Thank you, Elizabeth, for asking. You know, this is one of those areas where um, my fellows are so helpful. You know, I we have a wonderful WhatsApp group and even through the fellowship, there's so many wonderful ways to connect with each other. And, you know, it's become really easy for me to to go, okay, I'm going to pick up my phone and just say, I feel like crap right now. I feel like X, Y, Z. I love that writing and journaling is one of the tools of this program because that's been, that's been really helpful for me as well. Um, I find that um, if I can, if I can get it out of my head in any way, even like just putting it down on paper, um, or telling someone and even sometimes praying on it, right. Praying on it and then meditating, um, can help. Um, for me, the most important thing is to yeah, is to not not be in it alone and um, invite the people that care about me and my higher power into it to help. Um, yeah, I hope that helps. Thank you. Next we have Christina. Hey guys, Christina, recovering compulsive overeater. Super grateful to be here. Uh, Melissa, thank you so much for your share. Um, I just truly feel like you're like my sister in this program and that we're going through it together. Um, I'm also newly recovered and sponsoring and I, I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect at it. Um, I stopped like working super closely all the time with my sponsor not that long ago and I'm not perfect. And I caused some wreckage in my life, but the difference was that now in recovery, like I admit it, I admit my wrongs and I go back and I clean up the wreckage and, you know, I made phone calls and um, I did the work and I looked at my defects, um, which is just amazing. And I do want to talk about the doctor's opinion, but yeah, so the the allergy of the body, you know, I a hundred percent believe that I have this allergy of the body and I'm working with my new sponsee and she texted me today. And it just filled my heart with so much joy. And I just couldn't stop smiling because seeing her get this, it just, it's just amazing watching this miracle happen within her. She texted me today and said, hey, this food that I had committed on my food plan, I'm a little suspect about the ingredients in it. I'm not 100% sure what's in it. Like, I don't know, this might be sugar. I'm just going to take it off my food plan and I'm going to have this direct substitute instead. And I was like, just, just so happy and just so thrilled for her that she's like, she's like, yes, like she's looking at this as the allergy of the body. Like, and no matter what, we don't risk triggering the allergy because, you know, it's, it's a, it's a physical allergy and it's for, for a true compulsive overeater, for me, it's life and death. Um, if I, if I were to have something that like might have sugar in it, I, I, I don't risk that. And like seeing her get that too, is just like amazing. You know, like if I had a peanut allergy and I, I want to eat something, but it says like, you know, made in a facility with nuts, like I'm not going to eat it. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to risk killing myself over it. And it's the same for us. So it's just amazing. And I love the doctor's opinion. 
And with that, I'll pass. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Christina S. Next we have Roby. Hi, um, Roby L. from Vermont, um, recovering compulsive overeater, bulimic. Uh, I, I um, thank you, Melissa. That was really great to listen to. I think I just kept hearing honesty and, um, and and I've recently started to you know when I listen to speakers um, or or just you know, see teaching styles when working with newcomers. I think sometimes, uh, or maybe even my own experience in different programs, right? Um, I mean, honesty and discipline or um, obedience, um, of course you need both. And there's probably some really good balance, but um, it does seem like in the early stage, some people are carried by obedience until they can get their stride and some people are carried by honesty and yours was a message of honesty um, which in my experience that's been a more effective and it could just be that that's um, you know I had I had an obedient kind of white knuckle program um, and you're honest but you're not honest for the sake of power and honesty you're honest because you have to be because that's part of obedience whereas what I'm hearing from you is honesty for the sake of honesty that you've found recovery through. It's been a, a power in your, and it's trumping other things like your pride or, you know, um, preconceived notions. So thank you for that because it's been kind of a concept in my mind lately and it's nice to see it illustrated. And I don't know how to articulate it. I've heard people talk about like two wings of the bird. And I think of obedience and honesty as two wings of the bird and you need them both, but like, um, I, and anyway, that's, that's, and, and so yours, I'm sure there's obedience too. I guess I do wonder, like, do you have experience with, in, in my experience, honesty, when I really wanted honesty more than obedience, it worked better. And I'm wondering, and then I became more honest. Um, I became more obedient. I'm wondering what your experience is with that. Yeah, for sure. I, I absolutely agree with you. Like, I, I feel like I came into the fellowship and I was like, I know I need to be here. I don't really want to be in another fellowship. Like, I'm already an addict. I don't want to be, you know, like, don't really want to be. Here. And, and, but I stayed because I knew I needed to. Right. And, you know, I started using the tools. I started doing outreach and, you know, at that point, I think I may have been doing it just for the sake of obedience, but something changed when, you know, that physical allergy kept coming up and I, and I felt the loss of control. And I was like, okay, I have two choices, right? Like I can keep going like this or I can get honest and I can do the things that the fellowship is telling me to do, you know, one step at a time, even if I'm not sure. Um, you know, and, and I can kind of compare that with like when I was in rehab for my, my substance addiction, like they forced us to do the steps. Right. And I wasn't ready and I was defiant and I didn't get anything out of it and made everyone else around me and my life difficult because I didn't want to be there. Right. So I think there is something to be said about, you know, you know, 
maybe starting off because you have to and like getting that that genuine want um versus you know just being kind of quote unquote forced to do it and and maybe not getting anything out of it right like I think it talks about in the big books too about like we need to it's not for people who need it it's for people who want it right and I think that uh yeah yeah thanks Thank you, Ruby, for the question, Melissa for the answer. Next, we have Nadia L. Hi, I'm Nadia, compulsive overeater and restrictor. Oh, Melissa, I heard you speak at a meeting on March 14th on a Monday, and it was my first ever, like, OA meeting ever, and, like, I, I just remember that I resonated so much with what you said then. And like, it was the first meeting I ever went to and I felt like I was finally at home and everything. And like, now that I'm further into my program, I can really resonate with more things that you've said. Like this idea of um, when talking to someone, it can like shift the food thoughts and that like, fellowship like alone can't really do anything unless you do something and I I just want to say thank you for sharing and like you know thank you thank you Nadia L next we have Vicky H Vicki, we can't hear you. Vicki, sorry, we can't hear you. Do you want to try uh, muting yourself and then unmuting again? No, we can't hear you. Why don't we go to the next person and come back? And yeah, if you want to come back, maybe Vicky, if you want to try logging out and logging back in. And then next we have Kathy H. Hi, everybody. Uh, can you hear me? I'm Kathy H. I'm a compulsive overeater and bulimic. I'm, uh, I'm not new to the program, but I'm new to working it like my hair's on fire. Uh, I have 29 days today clean from bulimia. I'm very grateful. I'm, you know, I'm living a sane life. Um, thank you so much, Melissa, for the share. And uh, I'm doing much better this time at reach, doing the outreach calls. But I haven't gotten to the point yet. I've really been feeling so great and so grateful every day. 
that I haven't had to say like, I'm really having a bad day or I really feel like crap. So thank you for your honesty and encouragement in doing that. And I, uh, I'm in another fellowship as well. And it was, uh, it wasn't easy, but once I got it in that, it was, uh, it was very easy to stay sober, but with the food, every time I've gotten better, I think I, I, I can get away with that. I can just have a little. And, uh, so being on 29 days with tomorrow, um, being 30, I'm working as hard as I can to, uh, you know, keep making the outreach calls, keep going to meetings, keep working with my sponsor and, uh, uh, you know, and taking like biting the bullet and, and speaking on the meeting, even though, you know, I'm not doing it perfectly and I don't sound whatever, like all that. And, you know, but I'm very grateful to be here and, uh, grateful for the program and my higher power. Thank you. Thank you, Kathy H. Next, we have Stephanie M. Hi, I'm Stephanie M, recovered compulsive overeater, exercise bulimic. Um, Melissa, wow, thank you so much for your lead. I don't think I've ever heard you speak. Um, and I, I really related. Um, I also uh, had some resentments against the big book when I came in. I remember the first time I read it, I was, I thought it was very sexist and I uh, did not think it applied to me and also was not willing to relate in. And, um, you know, years into OA, is, it took years for me to, to actually uh, work the steps with out of the big book and get recovered. And, um, and when I did read it the second time around, um, with a recovered sponsor, I could not believe how much it felt like it was tailored to me. And, and I think probably a lot of people in this room have done this, but you know, when I read it, um, the second time with a recovered sponsor, we crossed out to whom it may concern and, and wrote dear Stephanie, so that it was really was written to me. And, um, and I still, whenever I do that with a the sponsor, they're like, whoa. And it's, that's exactly the reaction I had to, it was like, whoa, this is, this is it. Um, and, and I loved hearing about um, connecting with people. I have been realizing, oh, here's my cat, one second. Um, I've been realizing lately that I have just, I've been isolating. I've just been isolating and, um, and it doesn't feel good. It's not helping, um, but I've been really bad about outreach. And that's usually like the first tool that I pick up. I love outreach, even though I'm an introvert, I, I love talking on the phone to people. And um, I just haven't lately. And I've been feeling really rejected by my ex-partner who broke up with me, <laughs> literal rejection. But then also at work, I got some feedback that I asked for. I solicited, but um, it's so painful. And then with a friend thing and, you know, my response to rejection is like, I will reject you first. I'm going to push everyone away to keep myself safe. And it doesn't work. Um, and I also, I, I loved hearing about um, showing up imperfectly and and not painting the picture. Cause I always, I never want to share unless I've already solved the thing. You know, I want to like tell everyone what a great job I did and how perfect I am. And, and then instead I, you know, I am alone trying to figure things out and like that doesn't work. It takes so much longer um, to do it that way. And, and it's uncomfortable and it doesn't make it any less painful, you know, like I'm still going to feel rejected and then I'm going to beat myself up for that. Whereas if I tell another person, then 
you know, that's real intimacy is like being honest about where I am. And I used to, I used to really struggle with gossiping um, because that's the only way I knew how to build intimacy with people was cheap intimacy. And, um, and, and I know that that doesn't work, but like, gosh, when I'm isolating, that's what I want to do because I don't feel connected. And so um, instead I'm here raising my hand on a recording and saying, I am not feeling good. That's time. Thank you. That's, that's enough for me. So thanks so much. We will now stop the recording for unrecorded shares or questions. Subin, would you please stop the recording?